Hello, and welcome back to the Lamplighter Way. Today, we have a fun topic, uh, one that Kevin and I get addressed with as long with other guys in the group. About weekly. Pretty frequently. At this point, yeah. So uh, the topic today is, what is a short-term rental? We uh, we get asked a lot. STR. Yeah. STR What's is an the, STR? the fun nerd yeah. professional term we use. But what is an STR? So uh, we're going to get into that today. Uh, and then also, Kevin, why are we equipped to speak on this topic? Yeah, we can discuss that here soon, but we've we've both been a part of several. Yes. So- you know, there's quite a bit to play here. Not every short-term rental is a good investment. There's a lot of micro dynamics and then yeah. macro dynamics that play a part of when we're asked that I feel like on my side, my question always is I answer a question with a question. Mm-hmm. Well, what is your goal with the Airbnb? So right. with that said, you know, what is a STR Kevin? And then how the heck, if we're interested in that, we think we could be good at that. How do we go from there to success? which you, you have done personally as well. Yeah. And, you know, to give some context to people who may or may not know us, Ryan and I have been on a short-term rental together. I was on one prior to him and then several after him. And with that has come a lot of experience, a lot of do's, don'ts, uh, what happens when you have a party? Um, well, and the, how do you get good guests? Yeah. And the one super cool story, but the shipping container house that changed yes. hands and, you know, yes. we ran it together and then, and then you ran it with your business partner and then yeah. you sold it, but it was also spotlighted in, in D magazine, right? It was. Yeah. D magazine actually came back or came out there on Easter, uh, two years ago. So getting back to just a brief history, I got into this through the rental arbitrage model. And if anybody's familiar with that, um, I was, I was essentially leasing out with a corporate lease with a homeowner. This was actually in Lockwood prior to the pandemic. I mean, literally October, <laughs> spent money on furniture, got it up and going. And then the pandemic hit and, uh, you know, we can talk about the actual journey of that to where it's come today on another top or another podcast. But, um, what I will say is that I learned a lot, uh, going through that with the pandemic, but I also learned about all of the changes that have happened with short-term rentals from, like you said, a micro aspect to a macro aspect. And so, uh, market dynamics, when people come to us and they talk about, you know, they, they bring up the question, Hey, what do you think about making this an Airbnb? Well, first of all, the, I don't care, but a lot of the industry professionals, you know, Airbnb is like the Kleenex for tissue. You know, they've dominated that space or Uber for, I'm going to grab an Uber. It's a verb Good way to at this it. point. So short-term rental is the industry jargon for that. And you have a short-term rental that is listed on Airbnb, VRBO, Verbo, or what they call a direct platform, like your own direct booking website. A lot of beaches have this set up in mountains who've been doing this a long time. But I will say short-term rentals have been around a long, long time. If you think about back in the day, a lot of them were timeshares even, considered timeshares, uh, and beaches, mountain areas, and lakes are the three big topics of short-term rentals. And there's a huge difference in that, right, as far as the potential outcome and income. Yeah. There's a lot of things to consider, you know, with mountains being more rural, what about your labor force? Is it available? And that's really the case for all of them, but especially in the mountain areas where it may take an hour just to get up to the, to the rental, but beaches, you know, there's hurricanes that you have to consider. There's insurance, there's more wear and tear on the house. And then lakes, you have a variety of, of blended issues. 
You okay, Ron? Yeah. <laughs> you know when you try to hold a sneeze in and then it just gets like <laughs> it was actually worse than if I just let it happen. All good. We're 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 uh we're open here. So yep. Um but I want to talk about market dynamics. So when people are coming up to us right now, typically they're looking in somewhere in Dallas Fort Worth area, because that's where we're at. And so I, I want to speak heavily to that right now because there's some dangers you need to watch out for. And when someone comes to me and this is, Hey, you know, they say, Hey, I want to have a short term rental. I really try to talk them out of it from the get go. Um, cause it's not what people think it is. And we can talk about some of those traps, but when they tell me that they want one in, you know, Fort Worth, you know, seventh street area or downtown deep Ellum or Knox Henderson, uh, or by the stadiums, you know, there's a lot of city dynamics that they may not be considering. And I usually tell them, get away from it. So that's a really, really good uh, point of view to bring up to, at least mm-hmm. from our side, when we get yeah. that call, what is that person thinking where the positive, like, oh, I'm excited, yeah. right? Like, what do you, what's going through their brain at that point versus the reality that you know on the other side of like, hey, you know, okay, here's the positives, but here's what you're not. So here's your blind spots. Yeah. I mean, from the outside looking in, if you have no context, no education right. or history on what's happening right now in this space at large and how it's affecting urban cities all across America, you're going to look at it thinking, man, this house is only five minutes from grocery stores, from entertainment, from nightlife. Like what's to go wrong here? You know, people, this is a desirable area, but they're not considering a lot of factors. And a lot of that is hidden because it's in, it's, it, it's, the cities are behind on regulating this. And so what's happening right now in the Metroplex and all across America, you've got cities that are banning short-term rentals completely within their city, or they're doing what's more like a hybrid where they're going to designate areas where these are allowed within the city limits. And then you've got other places that have no restriction at the moment, but it doesn't mean that they're immune to that in the future. Right. But think of that from an investment standpoint, which is always our concern, right? What yes. if, you know, said buyer client goes and buys that short-term rental right? and then city comes in to your point. I know you're about to jump into yeah. more of the key specifics on cities, but oh gosh, we changed the rules. Now you can't do a short-term rental. Yeah. And, and even some of the value of that property could go down in the snap of a finger. If that right. Were to so happen. I have a very clear example of that. I just helped a guy in Fort Worth purchase in the seventh street area. Mm-hmm. And before he, he did this, I said, Hey, you need to be very careful about getting a short-term rental in the urban area. And this is back in September of 2022. And we, he purchased in October. And, but a part of that conversation, when I was asking him like, what are your goals with the short-term rental? He said, Kevin, I actually, have, he, he's, he brought something to my attention that I need to do more digging on. But he was interested in cash flow. He was interested in a good investment, but he was actually interested in some tax incentives. And so there's a, a unique tax incentive for, uh, it's called a cost segregation study. And he was able to get a bunch of bonus depreciation because he was self-managing it. There's some, we can talk about this another time. I want to do more research on myself. But in short, he started that rental from October to December, rented out on a short-term basis, and got bonus depreciation on his taxes that equated to roughly $150,000 in a deduction, which is almost the equivalent of a $40,000 credit, credit on taxes. So he didn't, he didn't have to pay $40,000 because of this tax bonus depreciation opportunity. That's close to a down payment. It is. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole down payment was maybe a hundred. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, investment wise, you, you know, for 
the audience's sake, you, you can't buy for less than 20%, but yeah. Right. So that's, that's a way to do this in reverse right. where you didn't have to pay those taxes. It come December, Fort Worth bans short-term rentals in, for, in the city of Fort Worth. Now, I don't know the specifics if they've got a hybrid model with certain areas, but his was no longer eligible. But when we were purchasing, he was evaluating the long-term rental opportunity as well and has now kept it as a long-term rental, but he still got the tax credit for doing it as a short-term rental for a few months. So that's a unique one-off situation if you're looking mm-hmm. in the urban area. Because when I found out, Brandon and I actually worked this one together and I told the client, I said, you know, hey, be really careful. Are you prepared if they, if they block this? Because Fort Worth in Dallas, they're all looking at what Arlington did. And so for those that aren't interested, Arlington, a few years ago, they actually have a really good interactive map. I think you can just search short-term rentals Arlington map, and it will showcase exactly where they designated where short-term rentals could be allowed. So they do have a hybrid model as opposed to Fort Worth, I think just an all-out ban temporarily. Yeah, they're probably trying to get their coordinates. Like, what the heck do we need Well, that's to do what's next? happening right now. And so at large, in all these urban cities, nobody knows what to do with this. This Then the governments are behind. And so there's there's two polar opposite examples happening right now. You've got no regulation and you have way too much regulation. And Arlington seems to be finding the hybrid of, all right, this is this is how this works. These areas work for it. These areas don't. But even with Arlington, there's no way to get approval beyond those sections right now. So over time, that should change. But I've actually talked directly with an Arlington city council member, and they have no plan to change these zones for a while. So what does that mean for areas like Plano, Allen, McKinney, Frisco? They're all based on city regulations. And so everybody's looking to Arlington kind of as this gold standard within DFW, but they're still making drastic decisions like Dallas right now currently is about to potentially ban short-term rentals in Dallas. It's interesting too, right? You know, you know, I owned a few over the years as well, and I've seen the same thing. McKinney strikes me as one, as a, a municipality that is, I would call it more reactive. So you've got Arlington on the one side that's more proactive and yeah. McKinney's kind of like their energy. When we went to the city halls and talked about these things and uh, just, you could tell they're just kind of a we'll wait and see approach. Yeah. So speaking of the wait and see McKinney right now, when cities, and again, we're not attorneys here, disclaimer, none of this is legal advice. Take it from our own experience and, and interpret it how you will. But McKinney has vocally stated, hey, we're not going to put any regulation on it just yet till we know exactly what we want to do with it. Because when cities start to do this, they're putting a protocol in place that could put them in, they could be put in a very difficult situation where there could be lawsuits against the city for infringing on homeowners rights. And so welcome to Texas. Yes. And speaking of that in San Antonio, there was a case that favored inside of the homeowner in favored. Yeah. Inside of the homeowner that said, Hey, you can use your home as a short-term rental. It's considered residential use, not commercial use. And there was a, it went up to the Texas Supreme Court. You can just search San Antonio uh, short-term rental win in favors of the homeowner. And regardless of HOA restrictions, regardless of the city regulations, it favored in favor of the homeowner. So that is a case to go back and look at. But what I but McKinney, what they're doing, they're actually doing it in a smart way because they're trying to avoid legal battles to make sure they've got their their ducks in a row. So they're waiting. So just if you're looking for a short-term rental and you're thinking, oh, McKinney is a great downtown environment. It's fantastic. It's growing. There's no regulation. But wait, 
you've got to find out what's going to happen with the city. And it, there's no guarantee that you'll be grandfathered in right? either. Or you might find yourself in a legal battle. Why does this matter to the people listening to this? Typically, they're one-off mom-and-pop shop type of owners. Mm-hmm. There's the big hotel chains like Marriott, uh, Hilton, et cetera. And then you've got this private equity group like Sonder, um, who goes and gets master leases with a, a huge condo, turns them all into short-term rentals. And right now, Marriott, Hilton, all the big guys, they are trying to fight against short-term rentals and they're losing. And so what they're doing is their lobbyists now are trying to figure out, you know, and over time, they've got to get in that space because they're losing customers. So you've got these two big battles between private equity and companies like Hilton. There's going to be a bloodbath and there's currently one going on right now. Eventually, I predict that they're going to be on the same side against the cities Mm. to allow this. This is evolution. But there's going to be some casualties in the process. And we don't want that to be our clients nor us. So, yeah. And I mean, to your point, valid point, historic McKinney, personal experience. We, I owned a 19 home, very charming home built in the 1900s, all updated. Couldn't draw up a a more cottage type of, uh, you know, home or vibe for that Airbnb. The Zen fits the bill. Yeah. I mean, and again, we didn't lose money on it, but the margins continue to shrink in urban. So, and they're getting more saturated. Yeah. More saturated. Cause again, it's more of a popular idea. Right? right. So we, at that point, you know, my business partner was very savvy too. Uh, this was a few years before I, obviously we started working together and I met you, right. but you know, we were clearing good month, maybe three to $500. And then we would have to split that between us was not worth it. We were the, the amount of work that went into it. So city, that's one example. Yeah. What's your, it just, one line take on city right now before we move to rural. Is it still a do not buy? Investment? Do not buy in the city okay. unless you can do what my client did in Fort Worth and use it for the cost segregation study. Good. And, good and point. that's the only place where I see this being a, a, a great opportunity right okay. now. And the, the alternative to that would be, so the, my one sentence would be do not buy urban buy rural. Okay, cool. And so, yeah. And so to move that, ball along to rural. Why, why does rural play so much better than urban? When I say rural too, I actually mean yeah. rural that has been destined like uh, vacation vacation. Type. It is long lasting vacation spots. Yeah. Let's so be clear. Anna, Texas, or yeah, you can't just go Sherman. buy a bunch of land unless you make that land a destination. Right. So the, it has to be a destination, not the house. Yeah. Um, and so when you think about these rural areas, you think about lakes, beaches, and mountains, you are going to pay a premium for those. But you're also kind of like buying in the city for your own traditional home. If you don't think you're going to have it forever, buy in a good location because it'll be protected as much as it can be. Yes. So when you're thinking about these rural areas, waterfront is huge in Texas. Anywhere on waterfront could also be a small pond. It just has to have that vibe. But then you also need to look at the house itself. The house cannot just be any house. It has to have wow factors, Mm -hmm. game rooms, kayaks. Uh, recreation emotional appeals even stronger. Yes, when emotional this, appeals. The story you're telling, and if you looked at that at the previous properties that we've done and sold, you know they all have brands attached to them. Mm-hmm. You know they're they're branded in a way. Uh, they're appealing towards a certain niche. But after the pandemic, you know short term rentals became huge, just because of people doing remote work. Where now you've got these midterm stays, but people also thought, man, well I can go out to this place and work for three months and live on the lake. When can, when else can I do this? Right. And you've also got baby boomers that are now in this, uh, buyer pool Mm -hmm. and guest pool that have never 
done a short terminal or even been on the platforms and they've done it a lot because they can't take their Europe vacations or ski trips. They have to stay more local. So now you've got wealthy pockets that are willing to say, Hey, we're going to go rent this house to have the whole family come. And that's a whole new, uh, market segment or customer segment for the short terminal. So that just talks about some of the boom that's been happening, but there's saturation too. And so you have to be careful when you go and look at these places, who are you competing against? And, you know, when, when people ask me, you know, what do you think about short term rentals? We want to get one. My question to them would be, do you feel equipped or do you know what you need to be equipped with in order to engage in this investment route? And most think they might, and I can see why, but unless you've done it, you really don't know, which is why you need to talk to an advisor about it. Right. And so I, this, this leads me to the topic of hobby host versus professional host. Yes. So that's actually the problem right now, which is why there's so much emphasis on regulations because we have too many hobby hosts as opposed to professional hosts and hobby host. I refer to as someone who thinks I'm just going to get this house thrown up on Airbnb and Verbo and see what happens, but they don't take time because you're now in the hospitality business. Right. And you need to look at this as if you're going to engage in a short-term rental, one is not enough in my opinion. So I'm typically asking people, if you want to go through this route, you need to plan on having at least three it's over a, time. It's a business at the end of the day. Yes. And you it run is a it business. like a business. And that's the only way to do it where it doesn't ruin your life mm-hmm. and, and your, your day to day. Well, I mean, case in point with the McKinney house, uh, your, your wiring has to be set up properly for it, but then you also should have the business acumen or seasoning. Doesn't mean you can't get there through trial and error, but that's not the ideal way to go. I mean, I, yeah. I, I had averaged out how many times I was touching communication for that one home in historic yeah, McKinney, cleaners, it was plumbers, 14 times a day. It was, it was nuts. Yeah. And it's not a long-term rental. You have to be a lot more engaged. And so yes. it's the people that are coming to me and the reason why I say, I'm going to try to talk you out of it. And if you still want right. to do it af- afterwards, <laughs> then you've passed the test and it's not, it's not a, it's not a test you have to pass. Right. It's more to put bumpers up for your protection. And so when people get into this space, I say, look, if you get into this space, this isn't, this is not a way just to diversify your portfolio. This is a way to diversify heavily in your portfolio. You don't just sprinkle in an Airbnb, you sprinkle in several. And that to me makes it worth it because you're able to actually capitalize on economies of scale within your own business. Are there, yeah, that leads me to my, my, my next question and closing our session to, you know, where does somebody go from here? If they're, if they go through this and they realize, okay, well, urban is not the way to go. I'm not gonna be able to take advantage of the tax ramifications of that. I don't have the time nor capacity slash energy to do a vacation rental that might be an hour away, you know, but I, I would like to participate in this, I think it could be a good hedge against a lot of the other uh, uh, investment items that have so much, so much variability to them, you know, in terms of the swings of the losses and the, in the gains, mm-hmm. you know, is there a way for people to partake in that? Like, what would that look like? I wish there was a more clear way to do this. And that's the problem is there's not enough educational resources. Do not buy it. it come to me if you don't mind. And I'll give you, I've seen all the courses that are out there online mm-hmm. They're just there to get your money. They right. don't actually teach you the nitty gritty. One, they can't because of legal liability. Right. So they won't tell you how to, how do you set up your LLC? And I can't necessarily tell you that either. I can tell you from my perspective, this is what I've done and you right. can take it as that, but they don't dive into the legalities. They don't dive into how to set up your bank accounts appropriately, how to automate your business. They just give a blanket high level, but there's no true nitty gritty value. And that's where this is created. So if, if someone were to say, where do I start? 
education, educate yourself on the city that you're looking at first and foremost, and try to understand where the city's headed with this. If, but I would immediately start with the rural areas and then talk to us. Just, just reach out. I, I like having these conversations. It's going to help me build out a small course myself. Not, I don't plan on being the course guru by any means, but I want to give our, our circle better insights before they purchase. Now I have helped people buy several successful short-term rentals and they've gained a lot of equity because of where they purchased. And I'm, I'm willing to do that and, and help out. So what we're not going to see is Kevin Blair's face on a YouTube advertisement with some really nice luxury vehicles in the back. You're not going to see any Ferraris. And um, yeah, you too can own this Ferrari with 10 vacation rentals. And right. I, don't, I don't own property at all, which is another thing. Don't get into the rental arbitrage <laughs> oh, yeah. model. That's a yeah. trap. It was here for a while and it was right. okay, but it's not a long-term strategy. That whole other people's money thing is just a trap, guys, at the end yes. of the day. Yeah. Um, well, very cool. So uh, yes, uh, to close on that point too, you know, there there is some real value to Airbnb or short-term rental to Kevin's point, he's, uh, he's not shared his full personal story. I know we've talked about it in bits and pieces on yeah. previous sessions, but, uh, you are very much a, a master of this domain through your own personal experience. And the beauty is again, just to clarify for our audience, you know, this is all about relationship and this is the kind of value that you will receive working with Kevin or working with us where it's free. We're not charging you you know, $20 an hour, $200 an hour for, for our time. It's just, yeah, it's again, not a consulting job for right. us. Right. So, but it's a very, very important topic to discuss. And again, I always love hearing your thoughts because I've got, I've gotten to see you work, work these out over the years. Yeah. It's been fun. I've got some fun stories and I, I would like to do a deep dive for everybody at some point mm-hmm. where we spend, it might be 45 minutes to an hour. I know most of our podcasts are shorter, but taking a full deep dive of true life examples, but in summary for today, you know, for this short-term rental topic, yes, short-term rentals are a hot commodity right now. It's not as it seems. It can be very successful if you know how to get the right ingredients involved. But then two, there's some hidden traps, especially with the cities right now with regulation. So be very cautious of getting a short-term rental in the city and the Metroplex. And then finally, you got to decide if you're equipped and you want to enter into this space. You can't just dip your toes in. You got to go full in. And you got to go full on with not just one, but you have to have a plan for several properties. Right. And there's wisdom in that. I mean, that's just really, really the truth. Uh, in life, if it, if it appears to be easy, uh, you're just, you're missing something. So, yeah. well, well, guys, uh, thanks for hanging in there again, for those that are passionate about Airbnb, you're probably still going to be locked into this. If uh, you're not passionate about Airbnb, you probably didn't click on this in the first place. So, uh, <laughs> we will get back to you, but I uh, appreciate the time as always. Yeah. If you're looking, if you want to see my profile and see the ones that I've had in the past, you can go to my, you can just search Kevin Blair compass and find my compass profile. It's also in the footer of this podcast. And there's a section where you can see view my profile. There's a few there. If I was you have say, questions, uh, reach out. The uh, the Prairie House. We had some good times over there cleaning. Yes, it. the Prairie House, aka the shipping container house. Yep. We had a mobile home wrap that we called the greenhouse. Yep. And then most recently, we sold the property that had ten acres and two cabins that we called Union Lodge. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Kevin, again, thanks for the insights, and uh, we will see you guys in the next one. Thanks, guys. 